podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Right, that was good, Martin. You enjoy yeah. that? Yes, very much so. It was great to have a couple of guests on this week. Yes, we had excellent guests this week. Tony Lockwood and, of course, Spurs show's Mike Lee. Yeah. What did we talk about? Uh, well, we covered all the big six, as usual. Uh, Chelsea. Tell you covered what we did. We, the... we covered Lampard without me mentioning Derby County. Did you not mention No, it? That's, that's, that's literally the first time that's ever happened for me. Uh, went into Man United, talked a little bit about players that drop off cliffs. <laughs> yeah. We won't ruin that. Not, yeah, not literally. We can't get liable there. And also, we, we found out what the worst bit of commentary ever was. And it was actually from yeah. you, wasn't it, Martin, a few yeah. weeks back? And what a glossing over that. And we got... Uh, no, let's not gloss over. Let's, let's, really let's drill down into uh, that. And really some of Tony's out. expert commentary and broadcast experience uh, yeah. to lean on from us. So tune in. Make sure you stay for that at the end. It's a good episode. Stay with it. Tell your friends about the show if you like it. And if you don't like it, then just, you know, just, just don't say anything. Just get on with your life. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. All Cheers. right. See you later. The Whistleblowers is supported by Matchpaint. The Matchpaint app is a sports pub finder. Want to know which pub is showing the match you want to watch? Matchpaint will tell you. They're also giving our listeners free Budweiser. Just make score predictions this week on the televised Premier League games in the Whistleblowers League and your correct predictions will win you Budweiser. Top the Whistleblowers League and you can win the monthly prizes like Premier League match day tickets, shirts, bar tabs and much more. Head to the app store and search Matchpaint or head to Matchpaint .co.uk slash app and use code WHISTLE to join our league. Um, Mike, you used it this weekend? I, I did. I, well, I was in Edinburgh a couple of weeks ago and I wanted to watch the Spurs-Villa game and every, every pub has shown the Celtic game. So I did use the app and it came up with a list of pubs showing the Spurs game. Sat down, had my own private booth, watched the game. I joined the league, actually, and I got a couple of... I actually won a free pint of Budweiser's only last week. It's really good if you're, like, not where you're normally watching games. You yeah, want to yeah, yeah. know where, which pub... You could look at the pubs and ratings. You don't end up some dodgy dive. And it's really good, and the, and the league's a good thing to do. And, you know, yeah, give it a go. Well, that's the voice of Mike Lee, who's... Uh, uh, joining us on the Spurs show today. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice good to, to have everybody. you on board. Uh, I suppose we should do some introductions. I'm, I'm still here with Mark Smith, Martin <laughs> Gritton, as usual. Yeah, I'm Mark Smith, and I'm, yeah, I'm always here. I live, I live in the room, that's why. I, and I delighted to be joined by uh, Tony Lockwood, football broadcaster and commentator. Nice to be here as well. Great to have Very you. Very rare occurrence. For yeah, it's been a while yeah, since been a, you've been, uh, been a while. It's one been of our years, but it's nice to be here. Tawdry titles. Awesome. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, right, so we get straight into it? Yeah. Um, I think we should probably start with uh, Chelsea this weekend, who... Not been a great start to Lampard's reign. He's lost his first Premier League game, then he had a, probably a better performance in the week in the Super Cup against Liverpool, and then he's gone back to the league and he's found it a bit of a struggle. First half, I thought we were pretty good. Yep. Second half, tailed off a bit, Martin. Yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. It feels like they've got a bit of a free pass this year. Cause it's... Have they, though? Well, Have they got a free pass? Because we, we all think in this room, he should be given a bit of time. Yeah. He's got the transfer ban, he's a young manager, Definitely. he's a Chelsea legend, yeah. surely he gets yes. a free hit. Yeah. But how, how long, realistically, will the fans give him? Tony, what do you think? I, think? I think it is a free hit. I think I can't remember a time where you could have a Chelsea manager where he'll have supporters on his side when results go against him, where they've had a transfer ban, where they've had... Um, an implementation, as we've seen, of a youth policy and then bringing players back like Tammy Abraham, who scored goals at a championship level, saying, OK, we'll give you a go in the, in the top flight. I think it is a free hit, and I think if it does go wrong, I think we'll see the first time that Roman Abramovich, in his reign, he's been there since, what, 
2003, 2004, I think, where he actually sticks with a manager if it goes wrong. But Abramovich is, is, I don't know if it's because he's just not around at the moment or if he is being more hands-off or what, but I don't think he's going to let Chelsea slide to 8th or ninth by Christmas. But I don't think they'll finish 8th or ninth. No, but do you, do you think, though, that if they are 8th or ninth, hypothetically at Christmas or November, let's say, are they going to give him the rest of the season? Even though we know, we all know, he's a huge legend of the club. In my opinion, yes. In my opinion, yes. If you said they finished the season in 13th place, then no. But if they're, if they're 8th or ninth at Christmas, do they get rid of Lampard with all the restrictions they have? Yeah. I don't think so. Their squad's still good enough to be top six. They lost Hazard, but you look at the other players there. And I think you're right. I think they have played quite well. They're sort of tired and, you know, maybe there's a bit of fitness issues there as well. But you look at that squad and you go, this is the top six team. Now, yes. Lampard, inexperienced. Solskjaer, another one, inexperienced. When it comes to certain games and another, the other manager will change things and you've got to change things quickly. Whether you have that kind of savvy, I don't know. But you think in the dressing room, you know, he's not an old player. You think he'll be able to talk directly yeah. with players and they respect him because he's been there and won, it and won things. I don't think you're going to get people going, oh, God, I don't like this manager. No, but... I think the fact he's got his arm around the, the young players especially because he's actually now has, having to play the young players. Yeah. They, they should be top six. I think anything outside top six, I think Abramovich will, will, will probably rightly look at it. But we are in this room <clears throat> pretty pragmatic when it comes to football. We, we sort of, myself excluded, know what we're talking about. The most... <laughs> The sort of majority of football fans probably aren't. And if you look mm. at things like Twitter, which shouldn't have any bearing, but I think in this day and age actually do, because it, it's bad optics for the club to have non-stop negativity on that platform, yeah. they, they might bow to that sort of public pressure. I, I, look, I think the real Chelsea fans are behind him. They're absolutely give him time. Um, and it's ridiculous that we're talking you about know, this at all, really. People on social media who even comment during games, I, I just don't get it. You know, why are you on your... Yeah. Watch, why the, you watch game. the game, yeah. After 90 minutes, then give your considered opinion, though, and no one's <laughs> interested in, you know, <laughs> Brian from Leighton Stone and what he's going to say. But you, there you we go. Just scream into a pillow. Yeah, no one can hear it. No one cares. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the point being, that the interesting thing about it is the fact that he has got free reign to play these young players and give them proper mm. blood. Like, got time on the pitch. Yeah. You know, Hudson Adoy, when he comes back, yep. you're going to have quite... Back in training today. Yeah, probably, so, yeah. you know, that would take pressure off. But excuse me, Tammy Abraham, he was he brought him on at a difficult point in the match. He brought yep. him on at like 60 minutes. The game wasn't locked, you know, locked down. No. They were not winning... That, at that point, I think Leicester were playing better than them. So he, he was there to change the game. So he, yeah. has, he has faith in them. Amount, so like these guys are going to get proper time on the pitch, and some oh. of them you'll get ninety minutes. You know, for uh, some games uh, at that and, level, and t- the first two games tough games, very tough. Games, you know, yeah. Leicester are a very very good team under Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once they play the lesser teams, you know, the Sheffield Uniteds of this world. You expect if, if they lose those games, and I think yeah, they will start looking at it. Well, let's go on to that quickly. Just the, the we talk of the lesser teams. That certainly from this weekend, what we what we learnt was perhaps you know as as you would expect, but very difficult places to go. You know, Molyneux, Carroll Road, Bramall Lane. So you, Wolves, Norwich, Sheffield United, not pushovers at this level. It's and potentially looking at their first games, you would think Sheffield United might have had a tough time of it, or perhaps you know the way that Norwich would dis- dispatch to Liverpool. But these places have got that, they've, they've got a certain kind of history about them that can rise to the occasion. Yeah, I think Norwich, I think we saw, didn't we, um, with the way that they want to play football under Farker, which continues on from the Championship, they'll be exposed as they were. I mean, Liverpool's not the greatest example, is it? It's hard to go there um, and get anything. But I think 
they will go away and they will play and, and maybe we'll think, well, it's a bit naive and, and they may get hammered. But I think at Carrow Road, and that was rocking the other day, yeah. and the style of football, I mean... Okay, a reliance on Puki to score the goals. But I think you're absolutely right. Sheffield United with Wilder, you look at their squad and you think, mm. you know, not good enough. They're going down. But at Bramall Lane, as with Norwich at Carrow Road, difficult to be yep. beaten. Yep. And that's where they need to pick up points. And if they nick anything on the road, I think that's mm. seen as a bonus. Mm. I look at Norwich and the way they're playing against Liverpool, more so than the Newcastle game. This could be the end of newly promoted clubs going to the likes of Liverpool and just sitting in, in, in deep lines and just defending. Because you're going to lose anyway doing that. Normally, the amount of pressure you get in those games, mm. you, you'll end up conceding, even if it's the 98th minute or whatever it is, you probably will still lose that game. I think now we've got teams that are just risking it. It's a free hit. Mm. Just go and play your football as it is. You only realistically now need 36, 38 points to stay up. Mm. And I think, that's what's that, 12 wins and a couple of draws and, and that they're in. Who do, you think, who do you think is going to struggle this season? Uh, I think Sheffield United, as well as they've started, will end up running out of steam a little bit. Mm. Um, I, think they'll, I think they might struggle. Villa, I think, will come good. Um, and I don't think they'll do a Wolves, but I think they'll finish 14th, 15th. Okay. Uh, Norwich are a really fun one to watch. Because they they'll be in 3-2s and 4-3s this year, there's no doubt about that. Um, I don't know who's going to go down. I think I, I worry for Newcastle. Well, I worry for yeah, Palace. Palace yeah, Newcastle. Southampton good enough. Yeah, uh, they've strengthened. The, 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 they brought a few players in that are interesting. If they can settle, and I, I don't know. I think I think they, they can be. I, th- I think once once Southampton work out how they're going to play, I, ju- I just think he's got to find his strongest eleven. But potentially, I think they should. Just, I, I think they've still got enough in the dressing room, player wise. But by the way, the weekend just gone, I think, is a great advert for the championship, funnily enough. The, the three that came up, mm. you know, okay, Norwich and uh, Norwich won and Sheffield United won. Yeah, yeah. Villa, the only one to have really mm. revolutionised their team from the players that were in the championship, yep. have struggled. Mm. And the accusation of doing a Fulham is maybe a bit harsh, but it looks like it might be the case at the moment. Mm. Then, as well as that, you've got individuals like Mason Mount, Harry Wilson, Pookie, all, all yeah, scoring yeah. goals. It's been a good advert for the championship, I think. And that yeah, might be me looking at it through no, Derby absolutely. County glasses. No, absolutely. I think so. And you look at Villa, where they concede the goals against Bournemouth, it just it was literally just two... Minor, the goalkeepers made, made a slight mistake, mm. and then the second one was a shot that they should have tried to close down. But the quality of Bournemouth and those teams are just... Mm. I think you underestimate it when you come up sometimes yeah, playing against them and you realise yeah. and you hit a wall and realise how good these teams are are Brighton in the conversation for going down to not for me I think he's bought really well Trossard who was the captain at Genk um, I saw a bit of uh, Morpay last season being West London based yeah and I, I'm not just saying this I liked him I know that we talk about a championship player the same with Pookie who will score you 20 plus goals can he do it mm. came off the bench and scored on his debut Potter's style of football and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris mm. Hewitt and I love him as a person I think he was shabbily treated at Newcastle but as a manager Potter you know came from the the Swedish Osterlands, didn't he, where he made his supposed name for sort of seven, eight years, comes Swansea, now Brighton, style of football I like. I think they've bought wisely. And for me, the clubs that we all discussed, Newcastle, Palace, Southampton, and the three that have come up would be the ones that I look at my bottom three from. I wouldn't put Brighton in there, Mm. personally. I think he's bought well, but... 
We're only a couple of games you, in. I think, you're right. I think you have to worry about Newcastle just because the mess yep. that's going on upstairs. A manager coming, I think Steve Bruce is, is, is a lovely guy and all man. that. And he's a you know, Newcastle boy and all that. But, you know, Perez, I thought, was their best player they've sold. Yeah. The new players they've come in, it's only two games in. You do have to worry, worry for them. Especially the, their fervent fans are trying to boycott yeah. certain games at home. That's going to be a worry. And Palace, again, with this whole Zaha thing, wanted to go. Transfer request, no, you're not going anywhere. And you kind of, you know, Saka, they've sold. Great, you know, he looked like a really promising player. Yeah, yeah. And again, and, and my Palace mates have said they've been awful so far this season. I know it's early days, but they haven't started well. They're a, they're a team that just do it by the margins, don't they? Real small margins and really well set up by Roy mm. Hodgson. But at the same time, when you lose players like Yawamba Saka, who's mm. just such a big influence on them and just that kind of... He's a guy that kind of starts things, you know, he's a mm. catalyst. You know, yeah. the tackles, the, the back chasing back. It's the kind of things that get the fans going, but also when you've got that on your team, it makes such a difference when you turn yeah. around and you know you've got a guy of that quality. Because mm. you know, Palace have always had; they always seem to have like two championship centre halves, mm. half decent fullbacks that seem to bomb on and, mm. and, and add a bit of value. But then when you know Zaha, probably looking at it now, feeling like mm. he's a they didn't buy a striker, did they? After no, all that? and you know, back. fifty million quid in the bank, and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't bother. Yeah. Um, from the bottom of the league, then to the heady heights of the top of the league. Let's talk about Man City Spurs. Now, Mike, obviously you're a Spurs man. Yes, I am. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because I'm sure every podcast in the world has done it. Mm-hmm. Um, talk us through your thoughts on, uh, not really VAR, but maybe more so the handball rule itself. Uh, Keep it brief, though, because I don't well, want this I mean, to be a look, 45 look, look, the, a harsh brief the, you've the, just given look, The law is the law. You know, I, I, I don't agree with the law. I think it's ridiculous that if it's accidental or whatever, but they've changed the law. The law is the law. So by the letter of the law, it was handball and therefore rightly chalked off. Yeah. That's it. I don't think we play particularly well, but we've got an amazing record Man City. Not many players, teams score goals there. We scored three there in the Champions League, two here. We've beaten them a few years ago, 2-1, when Ericsson scored. Not many teams are going to take any points no. off Manchester City this season. So for us, it was a great result. City are still the best team, I think, by far in the league. Yes. I think they're going to win the league at a counter. I think Liverpool... I think... I think... I think despite them saying they're not going for it, I think the owners of Man City is all about a Champions League this season. You could argue going for the Champions League, will they suffer in the league? I, when you look at the depth of the squad and all that, I, I don't think they will. I think they'll win the league and I think they'll win it by a good eight, nine points this season. Can I ask a question about this uh, handball rule? Someone else might be able to shed some light on it. Um, so as I understand it, if an arm is used by an attacker in the build-up to a goal, it's automatically chalked off, right? Um, different for a defender, but yeah. whatever. Let's say instead of scoring that goal, Jesus doesn't put it in the bottom corner, but actually just gets brought down for a penalty. Now, does that still come back and, and get chalked off because the, the build-up has, has led to a uh, has been caused by a handball, or does it is it a separate phase of play entirely? Because no one that I've asked seems to be able to answer this, and I think that makes no sense at all if you can mm. still get a penalty if there is an advantage from the handball, which you know you have to mm. assume there must be for it to be a. a, a uh, it's an interesting, interesting position. If it's a handball, it's a handball, but you're saying it got chalked off the goal because it was a handball. So, so the rule, as I understand it, is if it ends up in a goal, either directly from the handball or in the build-up, then it's chalked off. But Close. I haven't seen anything that says if, yeah. if, if it leads to a penalty, for example, does, mm-hmm. it, does it get chalked off still? Maybe that's something we can't answer in this yeah, room. Yeah, tweet in on at Whistleblowers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, do, at Whistleblowers. <laughs> at football, no, at football, football podcast. podcast. Yeah, I should know that by now. Well, there's a lot of 
different sort of hypotheticals that come out of this, the, the new rulings that are slightly confusing. Did you see the, the City game, Tony? I did. I mean, everyone's talked about VAR and what a ridiculous rule it is and how long VAR will take and Tottenham's allegiance to my right, Michael Lee. But for me, it's all about De Bruyne was the story for me because... Yeah. Mike talks about if Manchester City can win, in his opinion, by eight or nine points. Sonny's out for a long time, who's a wonderful player. Last season, they won a title without De Bruyne for much of it, mm. bedeviled by injury. This season, based on that performance mm. and how he started, he just looks to have gone up even, mm. if it's possible, mm. another notch. Mm. And for me, if he stays fit within a squad, that's why I think Manchester City could be even better than they mm. were last year around, which is ridiculous in a way, isn't it? Mm. They improve again. That's it. And the way that they've just, they've just been so good about their business, uh, when you look at David Silva being able to just kind of ease off a little bit and then Bernardo coming through and then, as you said, De Bruyne, when De Bruyne is fully fit, yeah. he's almost a missing link the, the balls that he was playing across oh. the box and just yeah. putting them into areas that you're just thinking that, that not that they were turning them down last no one, year they just, no one they there through. is no one better though is no. there to deliver a ball like that mm. Back yeah, with what's the way Gary Neville's been talking about it and he makes a good point he says they're not crossers they're passers mm. and that's what they, that he is passing it at pace into the box they're yeah. that accurate yeah. they're not, he's not just chucking one in Mm. He knows exactly what he's doing, and there's no one else you want in the country than him at the minute mm. from that inside right position. Yeah, and also it's a settled team as well. I mean, it's, it's only Rodri came in that's gone sort of straight into the first team. You know, th- having a settled team of players that know each other rather than loads and loads of changes is also a massive advantage as well. Yep. Right, we're going to have a, uh, a short break now, I think. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, we'll come back. We'll uh, Man United and Liverpool to. To chat amongst many others. Yeah, I also want to talk about uh, Alexis Sanchez for a bit, so we'll do that. Yeah, why not? Do that after this. Okay, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so last night was United Wolves. um, And all day, if you're into football, you'll have been reading and listening to this awful event that happened last night at Molyneux with... Paul Pogba ripping the ball off Marcus Rashford and getting him in a headlock and threatening him unless he got the penalty. That's what you'd think could happen if you read any of this stuff. Mm. Uh, <laughs> to me, it's a non-story. Uh, Martin, you're, you're an ex-professional footballer who played up front for a number of teams. Tell me what your protocol was for penalty taking in your teams. Well, that was the, the point, wasn't it? The fact that Pogba got brought down for it. If you get taken down and you're a character like Pogba, you're going to think, I want to take the pen. And because he's taken penalties before... If Rashford was a little bit older and had a little bit more clout about him, he probably would have gone... But, but Pogba has that kind of persuasive so sort of personality. It? No, I, I think he got brought down and he's a penalty taker. He considers himself a penalty taker. He might not be the penalty taker, but discussions will go on behind the scenes where I, I would imagine that um, Solskjaer's pulled rank and said, let's just have a... Have but but, a, but have to a me, that whole, if you can even call it an altercation, it just seemed to be Rashford saying to Pogba, do you want it? And Pogba saying, yeah. And that being it. Well, I, think Pogba, I, I don't make... even think it was that. I think Pogba just looked at Rashford because Rashford's thrown him the ball. He's, yeah. you know, that was the thing. I would have gone over and had a little chat with him. But Rashford's quite a, like a kind of... He, he's not going to... He's quite he's shy. upset the apple cart, is he? Don't you gonna... think it's wrong, though, not to have a designated penalty taker? Well, what is it? And Spurs? the manager at the beginning of the season goes, you're taking the pens. Obviously, if you miss a couple, we'll, we'll, we'll review it. You take the pens. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't see... Yeah. Pochettino, Harry Kane having this problem, Klopp at Liverpool, you take the pens. I just mm. thought it was... Uh, look, obviously, if he put the penalty away, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I get it. And Rashford but, missed it as well. So Milner takes penalties. I think penalties. it's utterly bizarre. And I think the problem with Manchester United, they've gone from Mourinho, who, if you believe stuff, 
didn't, didn't, no one liked. He was awful. He alienated players. And they've got Solskjaer, who's like one of the boys. They called yeah. him Oli. They didn't even call him the gaffer. It's gone the other way now. Well, I don't think he's stern enough. And I think this is indicative of what's going on at United. It's player power. And, and who's going to decide to take a penalty? But, but Solskjaer came Manchester out, United. Solskjaer came out and said they had two designated penalty well, takers. this is it. He takes penalties. And if I was... Uh, so, uh, Milner. Milner's penalty take at Liverpool? Well, Salah gets taken down. Salah, t- Salah won the penalty. 100%. He wants it, but does he take it? Yeah, well, this is it. I bet he's, but, got, the, he's got the clout in the team. And his Klopp... I mean, and, and we look at Klopp as an authoritarian, but I'd still say that Salah would have the... Firmino. I, I, if Firmino went and took the ball, mm. Milner's not going to go up and take it off him. But, but people were talking about this incident like it was the same as... Was it the Fulham lad last year who, who, who took it off? Um, yes, that's right, yeah. Who, who the, was that? Yeah, Mitrovic. Oh, yeah. He took it off Mitrovic, Mitrovic come on. He took it Literally, off his first yeah. kick, but he was yeah. the penalty taker, wasn't he? But the other lad right. took it off him and then missed. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a, that was a real altercation <laughs> yeah. on the pitch where they were arguing. There was a minute of... Mm. of if you miss the penalty, for it. you are an absolute... Yeah, Pogba should never go and touch but, another but this football. this wasn't that, and I definitely think that if it wasn't Pogba, there wouldn't be anywhere near this amount of scrutiny. I think that'll be it. fine. But I think there is definitely something about Pogba that people generally don't like and I don't know what it is it could be anything do you see that look what was the young lad what's his name Dan James, uh, Dan James. The, yeah, so did you see his look when Pogba took the ball as well he's just like kind of done this eye roll oh, and really? walked away oh, really? he covered his hand and spoke right. to said Rashford yeah. like, and he said to me like, you're said, not giving him the ball yeah, exactly. and, and I was just <laughs> looking at him take. and I like that because Dan James is probably coming in and going I don't care who you are you know you, but you, you got yeah, in yeah, respect yeah. But, but Dan James is 4 for 8 and no, hasn't but, got a voice but this is the thing though but Pogba we talk about it as if he's some kind of anomaly he's not at all I, I, strikers have the same sort of arrogance about like I want to take the penalty you're right it's mm. Spurs because Harry Kane is you always give it to your striker that's mm. the thing so Rashford should have it but I just don't think yeah. I, th- I think it was a it was a rare one I just don't think Paul, if anyone else had been brought down for a pub I wouldn't have picked it up he the got thing is with, with uh, Mike mentioned it briefly the thing with Pogba and you're right because it involves Pogba it becomes an even bigger story but there's still that undercurrent wherever you feel Manchester United are as a club, that with Pogba's presence there, it's unsettling. It's unsettling. But I've For all read... this world-class ability, yeah. you all, I always sense it's just not that happy ship that it should be. Yeah. Now, I don't know how... You know, I don't have the ins and outs at Manchester United as to, as to how much he's loved as a player by his teammates, but just always sense that it's mm. not quite right. So um, the, things, the things that I've read about it... and, and... I know a few people at the club who have backed it up who've said that he is very well liked. He is the main guy in the dressing room. I mean, for us, rightly or wrongly. He was at France, it, World Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but he, I think he gets a bit of a bad deal from the press, and I think that feeds into all of this. And we are part of that press. And so I, I think it's just important to give some balance sometimes yes. and, and not just to be, mm. oh, it's Pogba, he's, he's Flash <clears throat> and all this and, and you know... We don't but like then that. his agent was talking about a move away from Old Trafford, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But I don't. I, he, he was talking about he, he a was. move away. But so does Christian Eriksen. We don't talk so? about him in the same way. Mm. He's, a, he's a bit of an odious character, his agent. Though, he is, yeah. I mean, let's come back to United in terms of the the other players and the way that perhaps Solskjaer has kind of made a statement of intent is Lukaku. So moving Lukaku out, how it's freed up Martial because Martial was mm. brilliant. And he has been brilliant in his first yeah. few games. Giving him number nine, mo- moving him more central. That was his 50th Man United goal. Mm. I mean, that's crazy. We still look at him. I, you know, I look at him as a player still trying to emerge. And maybe actually create some sort of legacy for himself at United. And I think the way United play, you can see why Lukaku was sort of surplus of requirements. They want to press non-stop. And Lukaku mm. just isn't really built for mm. that. 
I don't think. No, no, that's right. I mean, but you wouldn't, it's crazy not to have him on your bench. You know, no, as, as a plan B, a player that comes on and has a, a you know, has that sort of impact. Yeah. Uh, I think the most experienced man in the room, Tony, um, Sanchez looks like he's leaving United. Looks like he's going out on loan, doesn't he? Yes, yes off, to, off, off to Italy. So Conte, yep. Conte's picking up United sort of scraps, yep. it looks like. Um, it's been his, his, Lukaku, hasn't he, really? Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. we go. His dip in form has been... Extraordinary. Unbelievable. Yep. Who have you seen over your years of watching the game who've, who've gone from this incredible, this incredibly high level of play and, and almost sort of hero worship at Arsenal to, to what, what he is now? I can't think of anyone that's been at that level with that money. I think it's the money that's, that's involved as well, isn't it? Because whatever we are led to believe with his salary and add-ons and, and how good he was in his... I say in his heyday, it wasn't that long ago at Arsenal. And also what he's managed to do at international level with Chile when he's been involved in Copa Americas and he yeah. seems to have that right mentality, isn't it? That um, you've, you sense Solskjaer's talking about giving him a chance and we want to get him back and he needs to be fit and he's a couple of weeks behind the rest of the players. But as you say, it seems as if he's, he's on his way out. And I, I can't think of anyone that has been bought with that amount of money involved that has, that has disappointed as greatly could, as he has. Torres has he had a, Yeah, but has he had a good time at all oh. at Manchester United? Absolutely at not. All. No. no. Not one single moment. Torres did, didn't he? He did. For a short period Absolutely. of time. Sanchez, we haven't even got a period where Man United fans say, do you remember that couple of months mm. before he got injured? Blistering form. Yeah. It has been an absolute yeah. total failure, hasn't it? Mm. One of the worst signings, when on paper you thought, well, Manchester City were interested mm. in signing him. Yeah. Could have gone anywhere. Could have gone anywhere. Is there an argument in saying that maybe they should actually, if he's not divisive in the changing room, as he, as he may be, is there an argument in saying that if he was to stay now with the way United play, which is now a high press, and that might actually suit Sanchez a lot more and he should be given a chance? Mike? I, I don't think so. I think they've got to get rid of him. Again, going back to the sort of, you know, the dressing room, <laughs> if you're playing for Man United and you've seen this guy who's clearly not doing it, he's not fit enough and he's reportedly earning 350 grand a week and you're on half that, of course you're going to be pissed off. Mm, yeah. And I think, I don't know what he's like, I'm sure he's a very nice guy, you know, but I think it comes to a time in any club, it hasn't worked. God, Spurs have had it, Soldado, you know, yeah. um, Janssen, we've had loads of strikers yeah. that have come in with promise and just has not happened. It's funny, know, it? it just hasn't happened you move on. Yeah. Martin, when you played, did you have players that were um, not necessarily divisive, but maybe quite withdrawn and a bit, a bit sort of, lo- not yeah, loners, yeah. but... Uh, you get characters. I mean, the, the one thing was when I played, when I played at Chesterfield, we I played in front of Jack Lester, and Jack Lester was so much better than everyone else. He was a championship player playing in League Two, mm. and he just... I played up front with him. I didn't need to get the ball off him because he would just run around around people and score. He'd always score like 30 a season. <laughs> but near the end of his just contract... Just his hype, man. And he's on, and he's on like two or three times what everyone else is on. Really? So he, when he would have a drought, he'd be like ripping the doors off to change, going mental and that, and the manager would just let him do what he wanted. But because he was such a, a good player, if he was having an off day, we were stuffed, right. you know, because it was like, well, all of a sudden, and I played up front with him and I wasn't scoring. I'd get 10 a season. I'd just get, you know, the like six-yard box goals. I'd be there to flick it onto him. And, but at the same time, if he wasn't doing it, so that can cause a little bit, div- there's a little bit of division then because if he's not doing it, yeah. it's a ridiculous pressure on players. So there is some disharmony in the squad if there, there, is, a, if there is a, an important player who's, who's not part of the team. Or someone's like, like coming in. Or someone's coming at the beginning of the season. This is the thing. They come in, they maybe go, they maybe are in like 
League One team of the year and then they drop down to League Two and you think you're, you're signing some yeah. Rolls Royce and then they turn up and they're, mm. they're stone overweight and they've got a massive payday and they don't give a, don't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It yeah, happens. Course, yeah. I'm sure I've been accused of it myself. At <laughs> Were you in League One team of the year? Uh, when I dropped down to the conference. No, no, no. <laughs> um, we saw it with Gareth Bale, didn't we, over the summer, the, the reports of him just, you know, they called him the golfer and he's yeah. not really part oh, of the But I always think that you don't always love hanging out with the people you work with necessarily. If you yeah, exactly. want to be it's professional, turn he's up a quiet be... Welsh boy, loves his family and all that. And maybe learn the language. Give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, look yeah. at Aaron Ramsey when he went to you know? Juventus, first press mm. conference. He's given it a go. He looked he looked nervous and awkward, but he gave it a go. And I think I think whoever you are, you've got to respect that. Just one more Another interesting one, Everton this season. I don't know if you see, have both you caught at much of their games. I've seen the highlights. I've seen how the new players are coming on because they seem to be doing okay. I saw a little bit of the, the, the Watford game, but only the highlights. Mm. But then I, I'd always predict that to be a home victory because yeah. I thought Watford on the opening day for mm. all Brighton's um, attacking intent were, were desperately poor. Yeah. Mm. And um, again, you look at the hangover from a from an FA Cup final hammering, but you look at the squad and I just wonder this season with Watford mm. uh, there was a, a feeling with Javi Garcia that they would that they would kick on on the back of certainly in terms of league form they you know they could be a side that would be looking for ninth eighth mm, maybe yeah. but actually we could have a season where they I, I don't put them in my bottom six, but a, but a season where they start to be dragged into that bottom half of the table, which I don't think many people thought was acceptable. Everton, for me, are not a top six side, and I always think that they have potential to finish seventh or eighth, but I think that Silver is expected with the acquisition of the players that they've signed with their chairman coming on the back of Bill Kenwright, if you look at the money they've spent, they've spent a lot of money, yeah. spent a lot of money, and I think Everton fans would expect them to be a top six side. Mm. I'm not sure they are. Do you think they're in a, a battle with Wolves and Leicester for that? For me, Leicester are a better team, a better squad, and I'd put Leicester at sixth. I think Brendan Rodgers is a good fit. I think they'll do very well. Madison, we haven't talked about, we talked slightly about Mason Mount, didn't we? But yeah. Madison is another player that... You look at England midfield players. I'll start him now. I'll start him now. Madison is going to be involved in Euro 2020. We've got a couple of games coming up, haven't we, with Bulgaria and Kosovo and Southgate's had a look at him. But the linking up now with Vardy, you see, at Leicester, that understanding and that friendship, Maguire goes at the back, okay, but I think the Leicester squad, mm. Tielemans, and you go Not through it, looks good as they've well. got yeah. a mm. great squad, despite Maguire's exit. And if you say to me, Everton or Leicester, for me, it's Leicester to finish above Everton all the time. Um, mm. Everton for a while now, have been pretty suspect at the back. They started the season with two clean sheets in a row. Mm. Uh, Mina is getting a game alongside Michael mm. Keane. They look like quite a solid outfit at the minute. Is that going to last, do you think, or are they going to go to the, back I, to the I, I only again? saw them um, the last game of last season. They came to Tottenham and it was a two-all draw. And they started quite poorly. And then, then they, I thought they looked pretty good. I think looking solid. I mean, he, he, they, they nearly got rid of the manager a while back when they had that awful run at the beginning yeah. of the season. But they stuck at it. So I think it makes sense that well, they're obviously giving him a chance. I, I think Tony's right. I think sort of seventh or eighth position, really, yeah. alongside Leicester and Wolves. I think uh, 
certainly in those positions, I think. It'll be interesting. I think, yeah, they've got some, they've got some exciting players. A players that perhaps even last ones, was it Bernard in midfield? Ones that, yeah, perhaps that take that or Dean. And of course, the the new boy from Juve, uh, Keane Ken, how do you say his name? Yeah, Keen. Keen. He looks like he's going to start playing now. He looks like a real prospect. So I think mm. it's. I think actually this is a very, very strong top ten this mm. season at the Premier League. And I think you know, if we have a surprise in that top five, top six, it'd be a little cherry on the cake. I think. Martin. Well, we were saying ten games, weren't we? We were using our cake analogy last year, last week. Oh my about god! He came out with some cake analogy. Yeah. I was doing the commentary. At Absolute shock. You went down a cake cul de sac. I did. It's exactly. Couldn't what I did. get out of it. It was like play at Plymouth. I was doing the commentary for no Torquay away at Solihull Moors, and I said, "Oh, they've got the right ingredients, but let's taste the cake after ten games." And I just, you know, when you start saying something, you go, "Just don't say anything about cake." I've said ingredients. I'll say cake. So if, he was your, if he was your cake. co-commentator there, Tony, would you have asked him to leave the game? Slap, <laughs> never employ him again. I would call security. And we'll t- <laughs> we we, we would never speak. That's why I What's get the worst when you come out. No, you Mark, you can't put me on the spot. With that. <laughs> is, is there one that keeps no, you up no, at night? No. no. <laughs> no. Was there any games, any teams that you've commentated on, or, or had to analyse? And there's, there's been a curveball thrown in, or names, or like anyone that's been particularly difficult. Because I would imagine doing a, a lot of the youth games, you have to I've, do I've a lot of research. Under, I've, I've been to lots of under seventeen and under twenty World Cups since two thousand and four. So I've I've been you know to Taiwan and I've been to Peru. And the problem with under seventeen level is that you, you speak to coaches about their players, and they're very happy to tell you about these players but they're 16 and a half years of age they have no background in the game and they haven't played many matches and then when you see a starting 11 where you're not familiar with any of them and you get a ball knocked in from a free kick and it takes a deflection and then the camera follows the player with his arm up but you're thinking no it wasn't him has the cameraman got it right because he's celebrating do I go with him and then you look around and there's another guy with his hand up but the camera has gone with the player so you then commit on that player (laughs) thinking no that's not the goal scorer or do we just talk around it with he has cause to celebrate (laughs) I've done them all I'm just going to write these down he milks the applause he so richly deserves do not commit yourself (laughs) until you are certain it's the goal scorer wait for the caption on the screen Mike Lee nine minutes goal scorer (laughs) right that's as good a place as any to end this episode of the whistleblowers yeah thanks Mike it's good to have you on and uh, Spurs show have you recorded you on this week yes we one earlier yeah so so that'll be out later tonight spurshow.net marvellous marvellous and Tony where are you next what's what you're I'm going to Sky to do some Football League voiceovers. Lovely. Great. Lovely stuff. Well, listen, thanks for both of you uh, coming on. That was the Whistleblowers. I was Martin Gritton. I was Mark Smith. There you go. (laughs) This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.